should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. I'm getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book. You can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club Podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because something has to pay for our dead fascist dictator memorabilia collection. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Benedict, who invited me to come see his sculpture garden after the show. Benedict! You can't do that while I'm taking a sip of water. <laughs> who is your favorite dictator, but as a cat? As in, like, Benito Mussolini, or I, like... Or or the other one. There are two options. There are precisely two options, because I couldn't okay. come up with one for Pol Pot. So there okay. are two options. You have to take your pick, and I'm going to choose the other one. Okay. Uh, so, it has, But it has to be a cat pun. Yes, exactly. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Benito Mussolini. Okay, and I'm going to go with Chairman Meow. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of dead dictators in the news in the last yep. couple of days. We like to be topical. <laughs> Having said that, I would never put either of them in a sculpture garden. No, I don't think I would either. Even the cats, ironically. No. Okay, you know what? Mm, if I had a Chairman Meow statue, I'd probably put it somewhere where people could see it. I probably would. If and it was like a why... cat dressed up in like a Chairman Mao outfit, absolutely. I'd probably put it somewhere where people could see What it. does a Chairman Mao outfit look like on a cat? I Well, <laughs> shredded because you tried to get them into it. Yeah. <laughs> that seems right. Just like with the with the part and like a blue, a blue suit, like you part the hair somehow, like in the middle, it's like a middle part. <laughs> okay, we will uh, hire an artist later to create these beautiful things. Um, I'd love to see, see Chairman Meow or uh, Benito Meowsolini, even, as yep. a matter of fact. Um, <clears throat> his faskies are uh, uh, friskies? Is it, is it a sure. faskies of friskies? It could, be, it could be, or it could be like the, the tubes of like wet food, you know? <laughs> Do they have tube wet food for cats? Yeah, they're like treat. They're like push pop you know like push pops they're uh, like i'm familiar i was alive yeah, yeah. in the 90s yeah 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 they're like that but they're wet <laughs> i don't know if and you know how, push, push pops are pretty wet too i i don't really know what a push pop is to be honest how do you not you just brought it up how do you not know what a push pop well, is? well i thought they were more like more like a like a lolly no stick. Like, no it is oh, a okay. cardboard tube filled with uh ice cream of a, of a mm. sort uh usually like a fruity uh, flavor like uh okay but that's like still a sherbet, frozen like a I'm, I'm thinking like one yeah, of those but more like more the more puree okay i i mean i get it i buy the wet dog food for my dog because i'm bougie sure. too but you know uh i didn't know they had it for cats anyways benedict uh you probably know what it is mm. that we do here on this program yep uh but some folks out there uh those who are not um, smart uh, beholding the chairman meow. I was coming trying to come up with a chairman meow thing but it didn't it didn't work its way into my mind that's fine sometimes sometimes these things don't work and we edit them out and sometimes, mm, sometimes they don't work they don't and we work leave, and them, I leave them in, them in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but those folks I would say this is the show where we go deep 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 
deep to plumb the depths of right-wing thought by reviewing a chapter from work in conservative nonfiction and in between taking a look at other examples of the right doing their best to make America hate again. Start us off, Benedict. Do you have a hot take for us this week? Yeah, the Matt Taibbi and Elon Musk stuff is very funny. It is. I think. It is. Like, and and Musk, like, dropping the receipts of his texts between Taibbi. And also, like, this was your chosen dude to do the Twitter files. And even this guy has been like, Musk's a fucking idiot. Leopard-eating so. faces party is really yeah. the, best, the best thing that ever happens out there, I think. It gives you that nice hit of schadenfreude. Yeah, it's quite funny. Uh, I didn't really have anything beyond that, to be honest, but I, I am getting some enjoyment out of it. There you go. What about you? Uh, for me, um, I just got my new passport. Uh, okay. Because, as I'll, I'll mention in a few minutes, I'm going on vacation soon. But I just mm. got it. And, um, A, my hair is awful in it. It's not great. Mm. Thought, I Your thought... hair is in a man bun at the best of times. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, It was a it was a little wild that day. So I got it Are on you one allowed side to wear a man bun in the photos or do you have to? Yeah, you can do whatever right, you want. I, really... I just I had a bunch th- of flyaways. Not... Kevin, that is not true. You cannot do whatever you want. <laughs> we both know that. You have to be able to see your face. That's the only rule that matters. Okay. But uh, a bunch of flyaways going on that day. They were, It was all over the place. But that's not what I don't like about my passport. It has this thick plastic card in it now which my old one didn't have my old one was just it was like a like you know not paper but well i guess this is some sort of paper whatever they print these pages out of it was that and the photo was printed on that now it's on this thick plastic card in the book and it just it makes because i can't like you can't put your passport in a tight jeans pocket and not worry about it being deformed i don't know this is the things that go through my mind okay (laughs) do you do you have a hot take on it or is this just you it's just complaining? i don't like it's just i don't like my new passport that was oh, it i see okay. that was no, it. Hey, the whole idea of hot takes this is supposed to be shit that doesn't matter that's true yeah <laughs> and it worked out in this instance that's true. uh on to housekeeping since we're just flying through it this week uh remember to rate and review us on the itunes follow us on the social medias at nygbc pod on twitter and at nygbc ben um couple of updates this week first off uh, Benedict and I both have a couple of uh, vacations or weekends away coming up uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, going into May, I think. I'll be gone like the first week of May. And I think you said you had one in May as well. Um, mm. So the next month and a half, two months is g- not going to be the regular schedule as we'd like to have it. It's going to be a little bit uh, of some Prager Roulette episodes thrown in there that we recorded ahead of time to handle those times when we are on vacation. Uh, but we'll obviously, you know, not go back to normal as soon as we're done with all of our fun in the sun uh, in May. Uh, <laughs> I think Kevin should let us take a break, to be honest. I am opposed to taking breaks mm. on this show. That is very I much my thing. extremely tired. I, I agree, but uh, people sign up for regular content, and I like to give it to them. It's, uh, do they, or do they plus, sign up because they the like thing. us and want us to succeed? I would go crazy if I didn't have this as part of my regular routine every week. Mm, and I go crazy because it is part of my regular routine. <laughs> so it's, who's it's a nice priority? Balance. It's the yin and yeah. yang. It's the duality yeah. of man in one podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Me, you being like this. It is literally the fucking um, that Nick Cage meme where he's like driving grumpy and you are Pedro Pascal and the like friend yep. who puts together the podcast for absolutely crazy people. Absolutely. Uh, so that's coming up. Be aware. Can of you that. make that meme and put it on our socials, please? I'm no good at making memes, oh, uh, especially because that one's a gif. Then. Usually, isn't it? That one's usually yeah. a gif, and I'm no good with gifs. Oh, uh, I don't care if it's pronounced gif. I'm not good at it. Whatever it is. Uh, only other update this week is that the next uh, Lunatic Fringe episode, 
uh, after this one, that's what we're doing today, will be a, a, primarily about Joe Arpaio. Uh, as a lead into a, a mini-series uh, within the Lunatic Fringe on the anti-immigrant uh, movement and sentiments on the right. Um, and I thought that'd be nice because it also ties into the next book we're going to be doing, uh, which is Steven Seagal's The Way of the Shadow Wolves, which obviously we're going to have to give its own author introduction episode. But, as I've mentioned, Joe Arpaio did the foreword to that book, so I just felt like it was it was the time. It was the right time to get into it, and I'm very excited about it. So that's what we'll be doing next on the Lunatic Fringe. Uh, but Benedict, we have some inductees into the spooky world, new world order, bleh, this week that have to be done. So of course, I would like to welcome all of our new patrons, including Lauren S. You are now part of our... New world, spooky world order. Sean Sullivan, you are now part of our... New world, spooky world order. Amy Kaiser, you are now part of our... New World Spooky World Order. And I apologize, but I'm going to butcher this this next one just because it's not it's not a name I'm familiar with, but I'm going to try my best here. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, wherever you can get a hold of me. Ronak Seti is how I'm guessing that's pronounced. Okay. I hope I'm right, trying to be as correct as possible, but you are now part of our... New World Spooky World Order. And thank you all so very much, of course, for becoming our patrons. We love you oh so very much. If you would like to join the Spooky World New World Order, blah, of course, you can tweet or, sh- or post about the show on social media, recommend it to others, send me a screenshot or tag us in it. Leave us a five-star review wherever you can, drop me a screenshot to let me know. Make a donation to a worthwhile charity, become a patron, or just get my attention with something good. And Benedict, with all of that out of the way, it is time to get into this week's episode, which I know you were so excited for, because this is a topic you love so much, right? Mm, yeah, love it. You're just, oh, you're so obsessed with right-wing, crypto-fascist, whatever passes for philosophy. Sure. Yeah, I figured that this was right up your alley. But, Benedict, uh, I first decided to do this episode uh, when I was sitting in a hot tub in late September. Uh, right. Uh, and came across a Vanity Fair article. It looked interesting, so I decided to read it. Uh, the article is titled Inside the New Right, where Peter Thiel is p- placing his biggest bets by James Pogue. Uh, and, of course, I'll link to it in the show notes for anyone who wants to read it. And the article scared the living shit out of me. Great. Uh, <laughs> Can't wait to hear about it. Uh, it's an older article from earlier in 22, 22 um, but I hadn't seen it before. And, you know, I was in a hot tub. What, what else was I going to do? Uh so a great question. Yeah. Nothing else famously to do in hot tubs. You know, I, I spend most of my nights in hot tubs because we, we have a hot tub here at the house. We got a hot tub a while back. Um, okay. And I can tell you, there's lots to do in hot tubs. There's plenty I, to do in hot tubs. Kevin, I know that. There's things to do in <laughs> hot tubs. Uh, but I decided to read this thing instead. So prior to reading that article, I hadn't really looked deeply into Blake Masters, J.D. Vance, and their associated cohorts. I just sort of associated them with the MAGA grifter candidates trying to ride into office on Trump's coattails. Mm -hmm. But after looking into them for this episode, that's anything but the reality. There's, there's a much more, uh, there, there than it would seem on the surface. Love, love for there to be there, there. Yeah. The reality is that they are sort of the vanguards of a new neo-reactionary movement that has a real agenda of its own. And that is very, very scary to me. Um. <laughs> yeah, just if you could just do that for the rest of the episode, if you could just blow a raspberry for the rest of the episode, that would get across basically what the general sentiment is here. That's that's what oh, I needed. Good. That's what I needed. Great. Really. Yeah. Cool. yeah I, I think you got it figured out. Uh, some people, both proponents and detractors, call this new ideology 
the dark enlightenment because they're so okay. edgy. They're so edgy and out there, man. Um, okay. And if you sort of just put into words what that phrase feels like it represents, you're probably close enough to correct. Uh, these people we'll be talking about today are absolutely fascists. There's no hyperbole needed to get that descriptor accurately fitting their ideology. Um, there are elements of alt-right ideology in the Dark Enlightenment, and people like famous punched frog splainer Richard Spencer uh, mm-hmm. are fans of this ideology. So. Cool. Or at least were until, uh, as with everything among fascists, it devolved into petty infighting and clout chasing. Um, and it appears that they no longer like each other. I don't know if they ever actually associated with each other, but they were on the same tip. And, uh, you know, there's some retweets there. Uh, but seem to have a personal rift between the two now. Yeah, I mean, but you've retweeted my stuff and we hate each other. So, <laughs> I mean, that is generally how this uh, podcast works. You're correct. Yeah. Um, so what is the Dark Enlightenment I- ideology is sort of the first question. Well, as noted, uh, it's a repackaging of the same reactionary ideas the rest of the far right has, basically with a new vocabulary. Um, at its core, it's a rejection of the ideas of liberal democracy and freedom. Uh, liberal democracy in the sense of moving towards greater freedom and inclusion in the democratic process. They don't like the, that kind the, of stuff. The long moral arc of history, then? Yeah, the, you could say they're not fans of moral arcs, uh, oh. very much like immoral arcs, uh, okay. as opposed to the good ones. Um, dark Enlightenment types don't believe that democracy is desirable or effective. Uh, and instead, they propose, wait for it, a form of monarchy. Oh, which is, really, which is really just fascism, pretending it's a monarchy. No, I mean... You could well, argue that well, monarchy I mean, is fascism, but, you know, it's... Well, <laughs> I think there are differentiating uh, characteristics. There is certainly authoritarian... Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yep. yep. Uh, now, they try to pretend that it's not a dictatorship that they actually want by using terms like monarchy or a CEO model of government, but they mean dictator. Fascist. So they're they're not even doing Philosopher King, like... They would like it to be Philosopher King, but I think even they realize they don't have any actual philosophers on their side. Are you telling me Ben Shapiro is not a philosopher? I I hate to be the one who has to break it to you. (laughs) We've read his greatest work of philosophy. Yep. Jerusalem and Athens, Ben. Jerusalem, Jerusalem and, and Athens. Athens. Jerusalem and Athens. Yeah. Jerusalem and Athens. Uh, they it. would seem to prefer a collection of authoritarian city-states, uh, which does track with a lot of their idolization of Singapore and masturbatory fantasies about ancient Greece. Um, like any good fascist, obviously they are obsessed with classical art and architecture. Uh, but was if we've talked about plenty, this is a large faction within the modern right. While most... Mainstream right-wing figures will never stop chanting about democracy and freedom while doing everything they can to undermine those. A growing number over there have gone over to just openly admitting their dislike for the ideas of freedom or democracy. So I think this has always been true, right? I mean, this is kind of where the alt-right came from. It's mm-hmm. It was like a... It, it was a reaction against... It's not post... Well, yeah, maybe I would call it post-Reaganism, actually. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's the post-Cold War consensus of what conservatism should look like. Sorry, not the post-Cold War consensus, like, as in post-Cold War consensus view. It's not a post-Cold War consensus, you know. You know what I mean? There was I, the Cold War I, I consensus. I get what you mean, yeah, but Things I think... have changed. There are now splintered factions on the right. Like, the I thing. don't think I... that's necessarily anything new. I think during the Cold War, um, this was very much the same. Here's the thing I'll, I'll say, is that conservatism has always had uh, a desire to enforce its ideas with an iron fist. 
Um, that's why you had the Red Scare. That's why you mm-hmm. had the purging of people with leftist sympathies from government and no, all, I think blacklisting that's true, but at and least all that. It, it was it was at least generally it was at least with a liberal liberal face or with liberal liberal yeah, talking. They points. paid lip service to the ideas of yeah, democracy. But and, that's what I'm saying. I think post Reagan maybe that kind of went away because they were like, well, there's no big bad anymore, so we can just. Now there's a million thing. little bads. Yeah, exactly. So now we just need to we need to have an authoritarian fist to crush the little bads. That's true. You know what yeah. I mean? Does that I make see, sense? I can see what you mean. Yeah. So okay. this sort of fascist uh, authoritarianism that they want uh, may seem incompatible with the fact that most of the Dark Enlightenment folks uh, profess themselves to be libertarians. But remember that libertarians have never been logical. I I would not say that fascism and libertarianism are incompatible. But let's Uh, see where you go with it. I wouldn't necessarily either. I would think, I would say that a a, um, libertarian as we commonly know them is incompatible with authoritarianism. The libertarians who scream about I, I, is the is, ideologically am I being detained, the am I being be. detained libertarianism is incompatible with authoritarianism. It, yes, should sure. be, should, should be. be. But we know by talking many times about libertarians and the Too things they times. do and say that they have never been logical. And uh, I think what they propose in practice would probably look much more like a Handmaid's Tale style authoritarianism in the social sphere, with you know financial freedom. And of course, more freedom for those who can afford it. I think is yeah. what it would probably look. Like. And then, and then we we'll just get back into debating what fascism is and sure. what level of authoritarianism begets fascism. And somewhat unsurprisingly, the Dark Enlightenment is absolutely riddled with anti-Semitic and racist ideas, and only lukewarm rejections of those concepts and attempt to cover their own asses. That's shouldn't re- we've we've looked at the von Mises Institute and who has worked yes. there. We know, we know, we know who they have. Um, you'll hear the word from the Dark Enlightenment chuds a lot, the cathedral, which I think is a way of very unsuccessfully trying to make them sound much deeper than they really are. Uh, is this a conspiracy or is this... A bit. Is that like the deep state type thing or is it like a... I would say it's a rebranding of deep state. Should except... we be surprised that they didn't call it the synagogue? <laughs> I think we really should be. I think they wanted to. They knew that was too on the nose. Um, so Curtis Yarvin, who we're going to talk okay. about in a moment, uh, the, the, the brain child behind the Dark Enlightenment, we'll say, um, he has described the cathedral as a short way to say media plus academia. Which is okay. like, oh, so, so it's you're cul- just cultural deep state, kind of. Yeah, you're just lazy and you want to sound cool and you think that using a word to, to represent a thing uh, that really doesn't need any shortening um, is, is how to be cool. That's, that's yeah. really what it is. Well, I think it's, uh, it, to, to my mind, knowing nothing about it, it's probably, he's, uh, maybe I'm giving him too much credit already. You absolutely are. It, it, sure. It, it, my my guess would be that he's saying it's this cultural idea that's above reproach and can't be criticized. Mm, there's an element of that. And that's what his dark enlightenment is to do, is to criticize and undermine the cathedral. Um, I, I don't know if you're exactly correct because he would well, rather, whatever I said rather would than be better. criticize and undermine, he would like to see them dragged into the streets and hung. Right. Bit, 
bit so very different. very French Revolution version of the Enlightenment. Then. French Revolution with more swastikas. Yes. Uh, oh. So, but you know, the very fact that they thought they needed a cool term to cover media plus academia I'm not sure. just shows I'm how not sure. shallow the douchebags they are. That's all it yeah. is. I mean, I think I'm not sure it's even a cool term, is it? I think it's just Cathedral's uh, a, cathedral. I think is an objectively cool. It's a slick sounding word. Cathedral. Yeah. It's it's something it, a villain would it, say. I think it's just an analogy that is a little lazy. It's it is. I I agree with you there, but I think it okay. sounds just on a linguistic level when it hits your ear. It sounds cooler than media plus academia. Well, yeah, but I think they also could have thought of a cooler word. They, if they, they probably could have. They yeah. probably could have. Uh, I mentioned to you the other day a Jordan Peterson tweet about the cathedral, mm-hmm. uh, and I wanted you to see how dumb it really is. So I've just sent the link to it in the chat to you that I want you to look at. Am I going to yell at you? Probably. Uh, and tell me what it is that you see there when you pull up that Jordan Peterson tweet. I can see it reflecting in your glasses, so I, I can, Great. I can, I can, I can you see it. can see when it lights. <laughs> Okay, so it's an Evian water bottle. Yep. Which kind of looks like a stained glass window cathedral because the water of the way going the, light's th- the water going through, through it. it onto the airplane seat in front of him sort of looks like stained glass windows. And what did what did Jordan Peterson say <laughs> above that tweet? He said there are cathedrals everywhere for those with eyes to see. Yeah. And what he means is. Sometimes shadows happen. Uh-huh. That's what dumb dip <laughs> that's what dumb dick bags these are, man. And this is uh March 9th, so mm-hmm. Yep, not long ago. Oh of this year. Of this year, not long ago. Uh and then the top comment is pointing out that it is very clearly a photo taken on a private jet. So yep. Yep. And it's it's not really surprising that Jordan Peterson would jump on the cathedral train since he hasn't had an original idea in his life. And really just makes a living repackaging lukewarm reactionary takes with a fun accent. So him doing that to the second degree isn't outside his modus operandi. Can I also just point out that underneath this tweet, you know, when it does the more tweets, Mm -hmm. there are like nine different tweets from Elon Musk and then one from Tulsi Gabbard and then one from Cat Turd and then from Elon Musk. (laughs) You, my friend, need to learn how to block Elon Musk. That worked for me. Maybe true. Uh, but Dark Enlightenment embraces accelerationism, believing that the creation of more social crises will lead to their neo-reactionary state being formed. And it also includes a whole bunch of race science bullshit. Uh, they definitely think that different races have different levels of intelligence, which is, of course, based on their race, and that that's a justification for social stratification. Well, you know, you knew it was going to come. It's one of our yeah. episodes. There's going to be racism. Uh, they're also, as you would expect, a bunch of misogynist weirdos who love hmm. to talk about traditional gender roles. They're on sure. that tip of going back to either only men are allowed to vote or one vote per household or yada, yada, yada. So this they're is really just like not the Enlightenment at all. It's That's just why it's the dark Enlightenment. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you I mean, s- not that not that the Enlightenment was all sunshine and rainbows. There's a no. lot of racism that came out of the Enlightenment. Absolutely. But like, I get, <sighs> I, I get it. I get it. They picked the wrong term because fascism was the accurate one, and that they could use <laughs> the so, dark, dark fascism. Yeah. You also see parallels and crossovers between dark Enlightenment types and what's been called national conservatism. 
which is a heavily tradcath dominated anti woke fascist movement led by the likes of the little Nazi shit Nick Fuentes. Mm-hmm. Um, and like every successful movement, their ideas have been promoted by Tucker Carlson, who had the main philosopher of this movement, who we'll talk about, on Tucker Carlson Today, his daytime right. talk show back in oh, 2021, cool. to trick his audience of rubes into believing he's a philosopher. So, why don't we start off by talking about the man himself, Curtis Yarvin. Sure. Uh, he is a middle-aged frumpy dork. Um, picture thin hipster Wozniak wearing dark aviators indoors, and you've got him pictured in your mind. That's Yarvin. Right. Uh, but Yarvin was born in 1973 to a family of foreign service workers and spent most of his childhood abroad, spending a significant amount of time in Cyprus. Mm. Uh, he graduated from Brown University in 1992, then entered the graduate computer science program at <sighs> UC Berkeley, my alma mater. <laughs> Sidebar, quickly. Uh, Which do you think is the worst Ivy? The worst? They're all the worst. They're all no, the worst. No, I know. I, I understand that, but just from like a perspective... Worst on what level? Producing the most assholes? Or? No, because that's Harvard. The, the worst... <laughs> the, <laughs> the worst just Coming in terms in of, like... The, the one that's, like... The one that makes you think, like, is that an Ivy, really? I... Mm, let me think about it. Um, you know what? No. It, you said that uh, the majority of douchebags come out of Harvard. I'm going to counter you, and I'm going to say it's Dartmouth. Because... Everyone who comes out of Dartmouth is a fucking douchebag. Dimanesh well, D'Souza came out of Dartmouth. They they certainly all talk about having gone to Dartmouth a lot. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think shit. it's brown because who knew what that was? <laughs> uh, but so he dropped out of the grad uh, program at UC Berkeley to start working. Oh, well, that's in the good. Tech you yeah. you hounded him out as a, oh, as a as a group as a three year old, I guess maybe around yeah. that time. Um, but going to my, back to my comment that I've said I think a couple weeks ago about. Tech people thinking that because they're good at one complicated thing, programming, that they have the answers to everything is This a isn't big just problem. tech people, by the way. This, I mean, it is tech people a lot, but mm-hmm. like, I th- uh, like, uh, the problem is like, these tech people tend to make a lot of money that's and true. then they can go out there and use and then that they to can buy fame in the and world. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but like math people do it too. Like people yeah. that are good at science think that they are then good at the liberal arts, which yeah. is not true. I mean, how many, example, white, how many white supremacists that we have covered have been like mathematicians or physicists, physicists yeah. or something? Yeah. Uh, William Luther Pierce. I don't remember if he was a physicist or a chemist. I can never remember that off the top of my head. But yeah, there's just a lot of them out there who end up being giant pieces. Because, and I will always go back to this, hard science, quote-unquote, educations don't typically require the amount of... uh, uh, Nuance. They don't don't require nuance, but they don't require people to confront difficult ideas Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, concepts. Well, they're difficult in a different way. They're they're difficult maybe to get your head around. They don't require a huge amount of abstract concepts. They don't require dealing with as much abstract concepts. And don't come at me with, yes, there's abstract stuff in physics, I'm aware, but that's not what I'm talking about. The square root of minus one, for example, is possibly the most abstract concept you can get. Sure, Benedict, but you know what the fuck I mean. You know exactly what the fuck I mean because we talked about it a dozen times on this show with my talking down to people who went to STEM programs that I always do. So, but obviously, Silicon Valley had a big libertarian bent in the 90s, and Yarvin was influenced by that. Uh, he ended up becoming a big fan of Ludwig von Mises. Uh, Classic. Great, one of the greatest rappers to ever live, of course. Uh, and Murray Rothbard, who, giant piece of shit-ist to ever live. Um, as well as Thomas Carlyle, 
the 19th century British writer who developed the concept of a hero-archy, or government of heroes, which I guess is a step up over hierarchical monarchy or hereditary monarchy for the, you know, for the time, since he thought that kingship could be earned rather than just given by birth, but is still very dumb because it's still a monarchy, which is inherently yeah, a dumb thing. Yeah, I mean, you're just kind of electing a president for life, I guess. Uh, yeah, it seems to be what he was all about. But based on his reading of Thomas Carlyle, Yarvin believed that libertarianism's success required authoritarianism. I know that doesn't sound like it makes sense, but he's a libertarian. It doesn't have to make sense. Um, and in 2002, Yarvin founded a company called Talon. T-L-O-N. Can't tell you how to pronounce it other than Talon. Talon. To develop Klon. a computer system named Urbit uh, with $1.1 million from Peter Thiel's Founders Fund, as well as VC firm Anderson Horowitz. Um, oh, cool. All the gang. The yeah, gang are all getting together. All getting together. Urbit is a peer-to-peer network system that no one appears to be using, even though it officially launched a few years ago. Uh, okay. Because according to an article in Reason.com, it is, quote, complicated even for the most seasoned of functional programmers. <laughs> cool, exactly what you want in a, in a startup. In other words, once again, the libertarian project has failed in the marketplace of ideas. Mm. Um, according to an article... <laughs> and just the actual marketplace. <laughs> yeah, the actual marketplace. Uh, according to an article in The Verge, early notes and sketches of the product portrayed Yarvin's weird monarchist politics. Uh, users... Of the products? Yeah, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Users were referred to as lords, dukes, and earls. And Yarvin himself was referred to as the prince, who had reserved 32 duchies for his exclusive personal benefit. Great. Who was the king? Was this that is Peter a fucking Thiel? computer system. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you what it is because I didn't care enough to look into it, That's but good. it does not appear to be very successful. Um, but beginning in 2007, Yarvin began a fascist blog titled Unqualified Reservations, on which he posted his thoughts under the pseudonym Mencius Moldbug. Oh, okay. Yeah, you've heard that name before because yeah, yeah. I've told it to you. Because yep. you've told it to me, yeah. Now, I didn't bother to look in where that name comes from. If somebody wants to look that up and tell me, that's fine. But it's M-E-N-C-I-U-S Moldbug. It's dumb. It's dumb. It's a dumb name. It's not a good name. Uh, but I'll, under that name, he laid out most of his ideology, including the cathedral, uh, his CEO monarchy, and the stuff we've talked about before. But unsurprisingly, he also posted a whole bunch of racist bullshit as well. Uh, in 2009, he wrote a post that said, quote, Not all humans are born the same, of course. The innate character and intelligence of some is, so is more suited to mastery than slavery. For others, it is more suited to slavery. And others still are badly suited to either. These characteristics can be expected to group differently in human populations of different origins. Thus, Spaniards and Englishmen in the Americas in the 17th and earlier centuries, whose sense of political correctness was negligible, found that Africans tended to make good slaves and Indians did not. This broad nice. pattern of observation is most parsimoniously explained by genetic differences. Mm. Cool. He goes on to say, a person makes a good slave if he is loyal, patient, and not exceptionally bright or stubborn. But even great intelligence is not necessarily a bar to good experience in slavery, as the experience of many Greek slave philosophers, such as Epictetus, shows. A slave must carry... I can't pronounce Greek names. Epictetus. Come on. Epictetus. A slave must carry the unique burden of personal dependency and obedience, which we are all used to expressing only toward impersonal government agencies. Yeah. And that's where okay. we have to take a quick 
quick moment to talk about race science and that it's do not we? a science. Or we are we choosing to do that because well, you I'm hate me? To. I'm choosing to because I do hate you. Uh, race science is not science. It's the rambling of racists based on their feels. But when you get down to it, if they have to make a hard claim for their ideas based on quote-unquote facts, most often they'll end up going back to the book that was just damningly destroyed by Stephen Jay Gould, Charles Murray's The Bell Curve. And The Bell Curve is just bad statistical inferences drawn from bad data. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, The Bell Curve uses data from the Armed Forces Qualification Test, which they argue, being Murray and his co-writer, is a better measure of IQ than the IQ test. Now, a couple problems there. One, the IQ test itself is not a good measure of intelligence. That would be one particular problem. Mm. Uh, but the other one being that they don't say why it would be a better measure of IQ. They just no, say also, it is. literally asking someone, are you smart, is a better measure of <laughs> IQ than the IQ test. Absolutely it is. Uh, but from that, they draw their inferences that, broadly speaking, minorities are less intelligent than whites. But one very, very, very important metric that the authors do not even attempt to consider in the bell curve is the impact of household income on outcomes uh, mm. for people taking these tests. And that's on top of just blatant miscalculations, miscitations, and other errors, all of which mysteriously are in the direction of supporting their thesis. Mm, interesting that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But make no mistake, right? Yarvin is a racist prick. Uh, he has written, for example, quote, It should be obvious that although I'm not a white nationalist, I'm not exactly allergic to the stuff. Mm. Yeah, my I am not a white nationalist t-shirt is... is <laughs> Answering questions that are, Yes, I know, <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, he, you know, he is beloved by the likes of Steve Bannon, uh, Jared mm -hmm. Taylor of American Renaissance, uh, Steve Saylor of V-Dare, and uh, Tacky's Mag, that's where Saylor is also at. They're all reportedly his fans. They've tweeted uh -huh. nice things about him. They've said he's great, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Yarvin is, uh, I should note this, an Anders Breivik fanboy. Oh, cool. Uh, writing in a 2011 post that Brevik should be condemned because his massacre was ineffective. Yeah. Yeah. He does think that terrorism is a legitimate tactic when it's effective, but he said that Brevik's attack was insufficient to, quote, free Norway from Euro communism. Right. After all, he only killed 92 people. Oh, we can okay. note the only thing he didn't screw up. At least he shot communists, not Muslims. He gored the matador and not the cape. Wow. That's a sick fucking freak right there. Yep. Is who that is. He's a sick fucking freak. Um, he also said uh, in that same article, quote, no one who condones Che, Stalin, Mao, or any other leftist murderer has any right to ask anyone else to disassociate himself from a rightist who didn't even make triple digits. ABB right. is a terrorist. Nelson Mandela is a terrorist. If you ask me to con condemn Andrews Brevik but adore Nelson Mandela, perhaps you have a mother you'd like to fuck. <laughs> wow. Now... It's probably not surprising to you then that, as I said earlier, Tucker Carlson had him on his show to talk to oh, his great. millions yeah. of viewers. No, that is not surprising at all. Yeah, yeah. Now let's take a quick look at how that turned out. Welcome to Tucker Carlson today. It wasn't that long ago that the United States had an entire class of people known roughly as public intellectuals, philosophers. Mm. Now, a lot of them even then were buffoons, but not all. They were some serious that's, people. That's that certainly whole... true. M many and most of them indeed were buffoons. Yes. You know what, though? 
I understand the yearning for a time when we had quote unquote public intellectuals. No, me intellectuals too. I kind of get that. Yeah. Because it I, feels I, nice to imagine there's a guy in a tweed jacket smoking a pipe who also goes to BDSM orgies. Because that's what mm-hmm. I imagine all public intellectuals all do. All of them, yeah. Because all of my public intellectual knowledge is based on Jean-Paul Sartre. <laughs> whole class is gone. Those who took their place study and talk about mostly themselves, their identity. It's narcissism, not philosophy. Mm. One of the very philosophy kind of is narcissism operating a bit. in the shadows of the internet, needless to say, is a man called Curtis Yarvin. For mm. years, he blogged under the name Mencius Moldbug. Now we should. And apparently, Tucker Carlson and his producers. You know what? I'm going to take this back. I was about to say they didn't read any of what he wrote as Mencius Moldbug. I'm actually fairly sure they read everything he wrote as yeah. Mencius Moldbug. That's why he's on the show. Probably say that Curtis Yarvin has a job, he's a software developer, but purely because he had something to say, he wrote about a million words for free on the internet about his life. Look, I don't, okay. I'm not saying I want to go count up all the words in every tweet I've ever written, but, but I might be getting near at least as many words as Curtis Yarvin. I might yeah, be close. That that's a true and b just because you've written a lot of words, so did fucking the... doesn't mean they're good words. <laughs> well, but so did the the fucking Unibomber. Like oh, Unibomber's gonna come up later in this episode, man. Right. It's gonna right. come up. Philosophy. Now, personally, I would be lying if I said I understood all of it. Don't have the necessary IQ to claim that. I can't help but feel, in light of everything, that Tucker's IQ thing there is a an intentional call out to Probably. the racists to the audience. I can't. Well, help but maybe, yeah, maybe. It's just legitimizing IQ as a thing. Yeah. But I can say, having read a lot of it, it's interesting as hell, provocative, gets you thinking, and more than anything, adds needed perspective on the moment we're in now. For the crime of saying interesting things, Curtis Yarvin has been hounded nonstop by the people who write Wikipedia, by the banks, by the people who maintain the status quo at all costs. We think, particularly because we... Or, 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 consider this sucker. Because he's a neo-Nazi shitlord, mm. nobody wants to be around him or do business with him. Quite o- possible. Option B. Option B. Give a full hour that it'd be worth talking to Curtis Yarvin about what he makes of the moment we're living in right now. By the way, if you're interested in reading more, he writes on Substack. It's called oh, okay. Gray Mirror. It's his cool. feed, I guess. Only good feed. thing about Elon is Yarvin can't link to his Substack right now. Yeah. It's on Substack. Anyway, Curtis Yarvin, a genuinely interesting person. We're honored to have him with us today. Thank you for that lovely intro, uh, Tucker. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to be <laughs> Oh, no. This is one of those conversations. Does that where... sound too fake? Was that too fake? Does that no, I mean, I'm not... I'm not even, I, I just have wanted to have you on because I think you're really interesting. I don't understand everything that you're arguing. I don't know if I... Yeah, am. and the only reason that Milo wanted to have Andrew Anglin oh, yeah, sure. on his stuff was because he thought he was interesting. It wasn't at all because he supported the neo-Nazism. It had nothing yeah. to do with that, I'm sure, despite all the evidence that Milo's an active neo-Nazi. Agree with it or not? But I do know that you're considered highly controversial. Oh, so you've got to um, have people on when they're highly controversial. Which is almost always a sign that you are saying things that are worth thinking about. I don't think, I've read a lot of your stuff. I, I don't think you're a hater in any sense. You're not calling I for anyone it. to be heard. I don't think you're crazy. I think you're pretty far out in a way that is worth 
thinking about. Anyway, thank you for coming. I, 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 I appreciate this. I, I think I, 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 actually, I, I, just to I, put I, the, I, uh, you know, uh, I, I think the best slur out there is that if you read my Wikipedia biography, um, it basically has me saying that black people should be enslaved because they're congenitally stupid. No, no. It says what you said, which is that some people are better at being slaves, and your entire history makes it very clear that you think that it's black people who are better at being slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, which is a remarkable thing to say. Actually, I think that's what my bank canceled me for. And it's if you actually read the place that it's coming from, it's this sort of beautiful conjuncture of two sort of completely separate things, neither, neither of which says that. And but if you sort of read it straight out, kind of stereotypically, you read that. And I'm just like, you know, that's a fun way of saying. Now, look, the exact words that are quoted of me are the exact words that I said. <laughs> but there's different contexts <laughs> <laughs> that I'm not going to provide. Is there a good context to that? Yeah, he's not going to provide no. it. So we don't need to hear any more of that. Um, I should also note that like any great fascist, uh, Yarvin is a failed artist. Um, uh, okay. You can find old YouTube videos of him doing poetry in Berkeley, uh, which Ooh, I will not is subject Is that why he had to, to leave? <laughs> I wish it was. Uh, I will not subject you to that. And he's been involved with what the right thinks is avant-garde art, but is really just bad attempts at Nathan Fielder-style improv cringe comedy. Fine. Um, there's a long piece by Mike Crumplar about a, a weird movie thing that Yarvin and his friends did at a really shitty theater in New York City where they was really just filming the audience while they tried to do really bad audience insult comedy. Um, and that event, for some reason, was also filled with a bunch of dirtbag leftists like the Red Scare podcasters, cool. unsurprisingly showing how horseshoe theory comes true. Um, defenders of Yarvin will say that, you know, he's just a shit poster. Mm -hmm. This is this is him transgressing against the system. This is how he gets off. This is how he 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 uh, battles the system. He's not a real white supremacist. He's not a real fascist. And to them, I would say, no, no, he's he's very much a white supremacist. <laughs> if you cosplay as a Klansman your whole career, at some point, it doesn't matter whether you're doing it ironically or not. <laughs> Even if that you go, were the case, go to your grave pretending to be a Klansman. At some point, you have to admit you're a Klansman. Yeah. Even if you wink every time you say the N-word, it's not making it much better. No. But I also mentioned Peter Thiel earlier, right? And it's important mm -hmm. to talk about the connection because that is really how Yarvin got his connections to the larger stage. So Peter Thiel probably doesn't need much of an introduction for most no. people. Uh, but he was born in 1967 in Frankfurt, Germany, and emigrated to the U.S. as a child with his parents, although he lived in South Africa for a time. Uh, he graduated from Stanford Law and worked for big law firm Sul uh, Sullivan and Cromwell before becoming a securities trader at Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse. I need to uh, get myself a, uh, uh, something to sign. I'm getting a dry mouth here. Yeah. Uh, then in the 90s, he moved back to California, was a co-founder of PayPal, the worst service on the internet. Mm -hmm. uh, from there, he took his hundreds of millions and founded Clarion Capital, Palantir Technology, invested in Facebook early, and became a billionaire. And as we all know, Peter Thiel is also a libertarian who funds mm -hmm. Republican Party candidates around the country, including Ron Paul, Rand Paul, Meg Whitman, Blake Masters, and J.D. Vance, who we'll be talking about a little bit later. Great. He's also a racist, crypto-fascist weirdo who co-authored a book titled The Diversity Myth, Multiculturalism and the Politics of Intolerance at Stanford, because I guess no colleges teach the paradox of tolerance anymore, mm -hmm. and Karl Popper is rolling in his fucking grave. 
Yeah, not great for someone who spent time in South Africa either. Like. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not. He has since apologized for two statements he made in that book. Uh, okay. They are, That's better than nothing. The first one, quote, The purpose of the rape crisis movement seems as much about vilifying men as about raising awareness. Oh, no. He had to apologize for that. that and two, sense. quote, but since a multicultural rape charge may indicate nothing more than belated regret, a woman might realize that she had been raped, both of those are in scare quotes, the next day or even many days later. Yeah, those are things you have to apologize for. But you yeah. know what? You should remove yourself from public life after you wrote that. Yeah. That's what you really should do. You're like, I'm going to go do some deep thinking for the next mm -hmm. 40 years about yeah. everything I yeah. thought and believed that led me to write those in a publicly accessible book. And I say Teal is a racist not just because of the things he wrote and the things he's done, but the people and the policies he supports all have a particular ethnocentrist and, of course, racist bent to them. Vance okay. and Masters, as the two most recent candidates he has, you know, supported financially, both campaigned on very explicit ethno-nationalist policies, and Teal's links to figures like Curtis Yarvin only deepens the lake. Mm -hmm. um, in 2009, Peter Teal wrote a piece that, free that claimed that freedom and democracy are incompatible. Um, his reasoning was, and I would say at least logical along libertarian lines, right, that democracy inherently contains the ability of an authority to constrain the individual for the good of society. Okay. That on libertarian lines, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. If you're, you're just using internal logic, but his ideas for fixing that in that piece are hilariously stupid and okay. definitely influenced several episodes of Silicon Valley. Uh, of course they did. The first, well, Pete, so much of Peter Thiel influenced Silicon it's Valley. It's all, I mean, it's all Thielism. They right? just they pulled from him so much. They could just keep yeah. going back to that well for jokes. Um, his first idea was freedom in cyberspace because it's the internet, man. They can't stop it, man. Okay. Um, and, so that's and the that, metaverse? No, he just thought that the internet could be free. Okay. Uh, that's the mm -hmm. most realistic one. The second one was outer space. He literally... He didn't say it in as explicit terms, but he did talk about how we really need to increase our rocket programs and get people off the planet so that they can get some real freedom. He wanted to build uh, dystopian space cities sure. with a CEO monarch. So this is why he's <laughs> friends with Elon Musk, then. <laughs> yeah. And the last one was seasteading. Going out to international waters, baby. Nobody can stop you there. Just like, just like the Silicon Valley episode. That's, it's really just it. The big sure. giant sea platform. That's what he wants. He wants to escape government by all means. That's basically just all he wants, by which he probably mm -hmm. means taxes. Uh, yep. But it seems apparent to me anyways, based on his Yarvin associations and recent activities, that since 2009, he's probably come more around to some of Yarvin's authoritarian tendencies. Okay. That seems likely to me. Uh, Teal has also, I should mention, been involved with a bunch of questionable investments in his life. Uh, mm -hmm. many of them obviously so, driven... so have all vcs to be fair oh some of these are bad though okay, uh, that's many fair. of them obviously driven by ideology rather than any possible success that they could have he's um, an investor in the right stuff famously right that, not, you whatever. just took one off my list because i was Sorry. i had it on there that was actually going to be the last one on the list to get a laugh at um but uh, he has also of course put billions of dollars into bitcoin uh, that hasn't gone so well. Although he apparently did manage to pull out all of his holdings he before did, the yeah. market crash, probably causing part of the market crash. Mm -hmm. uh, he invested in FTX, of course, and we mm -hmm. know how that went. Uh, we know about his investment in Yarvin's company, obviously. Uh, yeah. But he's also investing in sites like Rumble, 
which is a okay. right-wing streaming site that has the the glorious likes of all the na- all the Nazis. All and, the yeah. Nazis are on Rumble. I saw I saw Russell Brand is on there lately. Yeah, it's not great. Uh Yarvin yeah. has made his way into Teal's inner circle it would seem. Uh in 2017, okay. Yarvin was in the notorious uh British neo-Nazi Milo Yiannopoulos's leaked emails. Uh, right. Telling Milo that he had watched the election with Peter Thiel and that Thiel was, quote unquote, fully enlightened. He just plays it very carefully. Fully dark enlightened. Yeah, something like that. Something right. like that. Um, many people also know Thiel for the Gawker lawsuit. And I don't want to talk about that a ton, but it is hilarious to me how it's directly opposite of his professed free speech and libertarian oh, yeah. ideas. It, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when it's about him. And I will say he had a, a perfect reason to be angry at Gawker because Gawker outed him for being gay. Um, mm. Nobody deserves to be outed before they want to make that known to the world themselves. Um, and that was a very shitty thing to do. But yeah. in response, he funded Hulk Hogan's lawsuit against Gawker, which uh, if you don't know about that, it's about a sex tape that uh, Bubba the Love Sponge, that's somebody's real chosen radio name, mm-hmm. uh, made with Hulk Hogan's wife. Um, and uh, Gawker published that sex tape. Uh, Peter Thiel funded the lawsuit, paid for just, you know, he just wanted to destroy Gawker. And he succeeded. He managed to destroy Gawker. Yep. Did Gawker deserve to live? I don't know. Probably wasn't the best place on the internet. Um, But did it deserve what it got? I also don't think so. (laughs) And as I mentioned, Thiel backed two candidates in the last election cycle that provide a pretty good look at his and Yarvin's ideas and practice, both of whom I will admit I predicted would win and who I am very glad at least one didn't. Uh, sure. And I have no doubt, that, like, everything Teal looks at, these candidates are investments to him. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to go on to, beginning with J.D. Vance. Okay. James David Vance uh, was born in Middletown, Mr. Ohio. Mr. Hillbilly himself. Yep, yep. Born in Middletown, Ohio in 1984. His parents divorced when he was a toddler, and his mother was a heroin addict. Uh, she's currently recovering. And he was raised primarily by his grandparents. Uh, He enlisted in the Army after high school and served in the Iraq War as a war correspondent. Then he attended the Ohio State University and got his JD, that's a Juris Doctor, it's a law degree, at Yale University. Uh, He briefly worked in big law before moving over to Peter Thiel's VC firm, Mithril Capital. Why do these people all have to be nerds? Why do they all have to be fucking nerds? Because it's literally a prerequisite. They're not allowed to have nerd shit. No, evil people aren't allowed to have nerd shit. That's my rule. That's my rule. Fuck you. You don't get Mithril. Uh, But even though, you know, uh, there's some very problematic stuff uh, in... uh, in, in, Let's not talk about Lord of the Rings right now. Never mind. Um, Let's just say there's some issues with the author. Uh, Uh But he famously, in 2016, published the book Hillbilly Elegy a New York Times bestseller, which the New York Times incorrectly called one of the six best books to help understand Trump's win. Okay. Very, yeah, everyone really freaked incorrect. out about that book. Yeah, I never read it. I never will. And I read it. Uh, I read it. Would you like to tell us about it? Uh, Yeah, it's basically like, here's how I had a tough time growing up. I was raised by my grandmother, my, by my grandparents in the... Appalachians, and then I was in the military and went to Yale Law School, and anybody can pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Mm. So, I mean, that's it. That's essentially it. Great, great, good stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not going to read it. I don't have any no, plans. To read I wouldn't. It. We're bother. not doing it for the podcast. Um, don't plan on ever hearing about it again from me. But uh, fair enough. But 
as we all know. In 2021, he entered the race for the Ohio Senate seat up for election to replace the retiring Ohio Republican Rob Portman. Um, Teal donated a $10 million, 10 big ones, to a super PAC named Protect Ohio Values, which was created to support J.D. Vance. POV, the POV PAC. POV PAC, yep. And Robert Mercer also donated an undisclosed amount to that PAC. Um, One thing I have to note, but isn't really important, is that J.D. Vance did not always have a beard. Um, He didn't have a beard until he ran for Senate, and I have a theory as to why. It's because without a beard, he looks like a baby Nick Offerman. Yeah, that makes sense. You can look him up. That's 100% accurate. You'll thank me later. But it's also worth noting that in the past, Vance was highly critical of Trump. Mm -hmm. In his book, he quotes approvingly from his mother, who called Trump, quote, an opioid, easy escape from from the pain. Uh, But of course... Uh, Which is relevant because... His mother was a heroin addict. Yeah. And the opioid crisis. And because hillbilly allergy is basically about opioids, or a lot of it is about opioids. Yeah. Uh, But of course, once he decided to run for office, it was time to kiss the ring. And in the most Ted Cruz of fashions, he basically managed to fit the whole boot inside of his mouth at this point. Yep. Uh, But Vance's campaign leaned heavily into nativism, ethno-nationalism, and the sort of internet trolling that's become pretty conventional to Republican campaigns in recent years. It's sort of their Mm -hmm. go-to these days. Um, In November 2021, he spoke as the closing speaker of the National Conservatism Conference in Orlando, Florida is much less fun than universal studios yeah Um, (laughs) which is an event put on by the edmund burke foundation great um and the conference that year included such discussions as should we preserve the classical liberal order or abandon it it's nice it's it's nice to know they're thinking about abandoning Nice to ask these questions yeah yeah classical liberalism that so many of them screech about so often mm-hmm. um as g- described by simon van Eulen wood in the new yorker i think a very good piece i'll link to it in the show notes um quote national conservatism is the intellectual version of trumpism committed to the populist reorienting of the gop away from free markets and interventionist foreign policy as trump never fully pursued his own project the movement has taken on a slightly anarchic quality Surveying the conference's speakers, it could be difficult to tell what linked Orban defender Rod Dreher to say Orlando Magic Power Forward Jonathan Isaac. <laughs> like, that is a weird six degrees of separation. Throwing question. me off that he was there. It's really throwing me off. Still, it continues, what the key factions agree on, as Sam Adler Bell wrote in the recent New Republic essay, is that, quote, classical liberalism of the sort embraced by previous generations of conservatives has a big hole in the center of it where a substantive concept of good should be. Mm-hmm. And that that brings in a whole good thing that, that I think we need to talk about with a lot of these neo-reactionaries, which is what I referenced earlier, their desire to enforce their own moral codes on others. It's something we're all familiar with, obviously, right? If mm-hmm. you even know anything about the abortion debate or gay rights or anything in this country, so much of the tension comes from the right wanting to enforce their own idea of the moral good on others. Yeah. And... This whole debate about classical liberalism is really to what degree should we give up the freedom we allow the others is, is I think, what, what the debate comes down to. Yeah. Uh, national conservatism includes such figures as Yoram Hazoni, who I think we've talked about before on the show. Uh, uh, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I'm I think sure we, we have. have. Uh, a hyper-nationalist who argues that governments have to impose values on citizens and that traditional religion must be made the center of public life to, quote, counter the woke onslaught. 
Cool. Uh, and then there was, of course, plenty of people at the conference uh, like Rod Dreher singing the mm-hmm. praises of Victor Orban. Um, and funny enough, according to Rod Dreher, after the conference, J.D. Vance texted him to say, quote, once you realize that culture war is class warfare, everything becomes easy. Which is revealing in ways I don't think he intended. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, you could parse that in any number of different ways, right? He could be saying class warfare is bullshit, it's put on by, uh, culture war is bullshit, it's put on by the left, it's class warfare, blah, 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 could be that. He could be saying, hey, you know, we have to engage in class warfare and our version of it is culture war. That's it. Could be any one of those things. E- yeah. Any way he says it, you know, it, it, it's revealing. It's whatever revealing whatever it is, thinking. it reveals something. Right, yeah, right. Uh, his speech at that event was titled "Universities Are the Enemy," and the video has about twelve thousand views on YouTube. And I will play a piece of it for you now. Great. So much of what we want to accomplish, so much of what we want to do in this movement and in, in this country. I think are fundamentally dependent on going through a set of very hostile institutions, specifically the universities, which control the knowledge in our society, which control what we call truth and what we call falsity, that provides research that gives credibility to some of the most ridiculous ideas that exist in our country. And so I'm I'm excited to close this conference with this particular set of remarks, because I think if any of us want to do the things that we want to do for our country and for the people who live in it, we have to honestly and aggressively attack the universities in this country. Great. You know, attack the universities. That's the way to do it. Not a great thing to ever say in the age of, of mass shootings on campuses. But no, that's true. Even in the way he says it, still a very bad thing to say. Yeah. Now, I am, uh, as of july of this year a senate candidate in the state of ohio which is a very unique situation for me to be in thank you you can all go to jdvance.com and make yourself as yeah. as possible to support my campaign but you know one of the things that consistently comes up in my campaign because i was one of these people who didn't quite get donald trump in the beginning i didn't sort of fully appreciate where he was coming from or what he was no doing. he got him and there he was, was more very critical that. yeah yeah, and, yeah. Uh, this is this is the boot licking going on about, and, and now I very much do, is this concept of red-pilling. And if you ever heard this term, it comes from the movie The Matrix, which is, I understand... Benedict, he's about to explain red-pilling. He's about he... to explain red-pilling to the right. National Conservative Concert. Conference. Love that for us. <laughs> cool. He gets, a, he gets a blue pill or a red pill, and what's the deal with the red pill? Not share the politics of the people in this room. But the basic idea is that once you see the way that knowledge is transmitted, once you see the way that public policy works in this country, it's very hard to unsee it. And so there's this scene in the movie The Matrix where the, 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 the chief protagonist is given an opportunity to take the blue pill or the red pill. And he takes the red pill. And the red pill effectively reveals to him the fundamental corruption that laid at the heart of the society that he lived in. Yeah, no, that wasn't what it revealed. It revealed that he lived in a matrix, not that mm. there was corruption. It revealed that he lived inside of a computer. And that he was connected up to a weird pod thingy with some goo in it. That's yeah. what it revealed. Also, on a on a bad day, I would probably take the blue pill. Like I would be fifty <laughs> fifty on which pill I would take. Like it would really depend if I was having a good day or not. It depends. Is the red pill that nasty medicine cherry flavor? Because fuck that <laughs> shit. I'm not taking it. I hate that yeah. flavor. I'm not having it. Probably. So 
I mean, okay, that's ridiculous. That's fucking ridiculous. He's at the National Conservative... And by the way, let's dwell for a second on the fact that National Conservatism is a little on the nose. Mm-hmm. It's a little fucking on the nose for that's fascists. That's true, yes. They're just a little bit too close to the but mark. But notably not National Socialism, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know... The National at- Conservatives will end up being communists by accident. <laughs> he's at a meeting of a group of people who have folded up red pill memes in their wallets and he thinks he needs to explain it to them that yep. is one of the better pieces of stand-up comedy i've ever seen um but he he doesn't have anything else to add but Great. i do want to tie what he just talked about there in to the idea of the cathedral that we talked about before okay is the cathedral the matrix is that you know these same people use okay, the matrix so all the time same that's what i'm saying thing. yeah because i've actually seen that quite a lot i've seen a lot of like matrix stuff like andrew tate especially was mm-hmm. talks about the matrix a lot yeah it's because the word you use doesn't matter it all just means whatever group you hate okay <laughs> right like we've been over this like yep. globalist uh you know the, the cathedral the, the new world order yeah. no i get you, you know, it, it all means stand in for whatever group it is that you the speaker hate that's all yeah. it is um and that isn't the only yarvinism that vance has shown and uh by the way yarvin was in the crowd for that speech that jd vance gave cool um but he did jd vance did more explicitly endorse yarvin's ideas um one of yarvin's particular ideas that i haven't talked about yet is the acronym rage which okay. I'm sure he thinks is clever and cool again. I'm sure it does, yeah. And it stands for Retire All Government Employees. Okay. It's a dumb rebranding of Drain the Swamp, Benedict. Yep. It's a dumb rebranding of Drain the Swamp. Cool. Um, Yarvin has called it a purge of the old operating system because apparently he's only able to think in tech terms. Sure. Uh, but in 2021 on the campaign trail at a Vance campaign stop, a member of the crowd raised his hand and asked Vance how he was going to drain the swamp, to which Vance replied, well, one of my friends has this acronym he calls RAGE. Sure. Retire all government employees. Straight up from the mold bug's mouth. Yep. It's, you can't deny that connection there. Vance is a fascist. I have no discomfort in labeling him that. But he is smart enough to only let out the juiciest bits, right? The the tinglers that touch the feels of his bog-standard Republican audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, he's pushed the Great Replacement conspiracy theory on Tucker Carlson, claiming that, quote, Democrats have decided they can't win re- re-election in 2022 unless they bring in a large number of new voters to replace the voters that are already here. And, of course, he supports a border wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in favor of restricting divorce. At least that's my reading of his comments, where he said, quote, this is one of the great tricks that I think the sexual revolution pulled on the American populace, which is the idea that, like, well, okay, these marriages were fundamentally, you know, they were maybe even violent, but certainly they were unhappy. Oh, I remember him saying this. And yeah, so getting okay. rid of them and making it easier for people to shift spouses like they change underwear, that's going to make people happier in the long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's an all-around shitty guy. He's a very, very shitty guy. That but makes sense. it's the last person we're talking about today that I find the most entertaining. Okay. Blake Gates Masters was born August 5th, 1986 in Denver, Colorado. How are we spelling Gates? G-A-T-E-S. Gates Masters in Denver, Colorado, and grew up in Tucson, Arizona, before going on to, again, Stanford for his BA and Stanford Law for Law School, which is where he met Peter Thiel. Uh, After law school, he founded a legal research website that was eventually acquired by Fastcase, which is not one of the big two, Lexis or Westlaw, but it's still used by people in the industry. Like, 
uh, not not what uh, uh, Masters came up with, but Fast Case. Um, okay. It's like most bar associations give you a free Fast Case subscription uh, just for being a member of the just bar association. Cause. Yeah, just because you need something to do legal research with, and uh, okay. Lexus and Westlaw are both very expensive. Uh-huh. Uh, but in college, particularly around 2006, Blakey was a prolific online writer. Uh, he what, would post. What we all. Mm, we all. He would post his political views in a CrossFit chat room that he Great. was on. Amazing. Yeah. Before social media, presumably. Yeah. And a live Honestly, journal. Honestly, I blog. didn't even know CrossFit was that old. I. You know what? That was my reaction when I when I found that out about him. I was like, wait, CrossFit back in 2006? I thought that was like 2015. Somebody came up yeah, with CrossFit. I had no fucking idea. Uh, CrossFit is for people who want to tear all of their tendons. Um, and a, a live journal blog that he kept. And of course, he was writing articles for the notorious author of the most racist Ron Paul newsletters, Lou Rockwell, on right. his website, lourockwell.com. Uh, in one of these, he praised a quote by Hermann Goering on the susceptibility oh, of the masses to the incitement of war as particularly representative and poignant, uh, which to be I mean, fair... He At was, what point is that untrue? Like, just because Goering said yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, it's you, like, you absolutely do not have to hand it to him. You don't have to hand it to him. You don't have to hand it to him. And to be fair, Masters was arguing against the Iraq War. Okay. Uh, and at the same time, he was, of course, promoting 9-11 trutherism, as cool. you do. As yeah, you yeah. Do. I mean, that's um, the only reason that people were against the Iraq War. No, I'm kidding. Obviously, that's not true. Yeah, the only yeah. reason that why conservatives were against the Iraq War. You know... You got some truth there. <laughs> um, he did. He, he had a look. He was in 2006. Uh, he would have been 20 years old, I think. That that sounds about right. Born in yeah. 86. Um, I will say that all people were were dumb when we were younger. I was dumb when I was younger. If that, I had a blog at that time, true. there'd be some bad stuff on it that uh, yeah. I'd be ashamed of today. But I would rightfully be ashamed. And Blakey doesn't seem all that ashamed of a lot of his past. Not ashamed. Um, on his campaign trail, he has endorsed the works of George Wallace campaign worker, HIV denialist, 9-11 truther, and Federal Reserve conspiracy theorist, who we have talked about, G. Edward Griffin. Great. You remember G. Edward Griffin? I remember G. Edward, yep. Yep, he wrote the book The Creature from Jekyll Island, I which is the that. Federal Reserve conspiracy book that uh, most people who are into that conspiracy love. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only one type of person who praises G. Edward Griff- Griffin. Uh, oh, actually, that that wasn't on his campaign. This this is he praised G. Edward Griffin back in his old uh, 2006 days. Um, gotcha. There's only one type of person who praises G. Edward Griffin. Is it a good person? With no, it's a complete values? fucking weirdo. It's okay, a complete cool. fucking weirdo. Uh, but Blake apparently thought that Griffin was correct that the houses of Morgan and Rothschild were linked to the sinking of the Lusitania. Right. Yeah. <laughs> good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just plain old anti-Semitism, then. Yeah. It should be no surprise to anyone, then, that he would endorse a book while on his campaign in 2021, written by Sam Francis, former Washington Times columnist, adjunct scholar at the Vaughn Mises Institute, and vehement racist. Uh, Francis died in 2005, but during his lifetime, he associated openly with white nationalists, giving a speech at the 1994 American Renaissance Conference in which he repeatedly referenced the war on the white race and said, quote, my fellow whites must reassert our identity and our solidarity, and we must do so in explicitly racial terms through the articulation of a racial consciousness as whites. 
The civilization that we as whites created in Europe and America could not have developed par apart from the genetic endowments of the creating people, nor is there any reason to believe that the civilization can be successfully transmitted to a different people. That is the least racist, racist thing. That, that is, I will say, the least racist thing to come out of Sam Francis. There is some insanely racist stuff that he said. Uh, I will link to, I don't remember what article that was, but I'll try and find it and link to, I think it might have been a Southern Poverty Law Center article about him okay. uh, that I will link to for people. But if you want something truly fucking nuts, it was Dinesh D'Souza, the man who claims racism doesn't exist, who wrote the article for the Washington Post about Sam Francis's speech at the, the American Renaissance Con Conference that I just quoted. Calling that was fucking racist, Dinesh D'Souza. That was, well, Dinesh D'Souza outed him, and that got him fired from the Washington okay. Times. All right, Dinesh. Look. Again, you do not have to time, have a term. <laughs> no. The one time Dinesh D'Souza does something good, though, holy shit. It is, in, it is contrary to Dinesh D'Souza's entire career of racism is on the left, and well, racism doesn't also, exist. It, it's also, I feel like you kind of have to do one of those so that you can be like, see, this is such a rarity and I call it out when it happens. Build up your bona fides. I get yeah. that. I get yeah, that. Yeah. Um, Sam Francis also wrote for the white nationalist fake journal Occidental Quarterly. Uh, he wrote for V-Dare. He attended the 2000 American Friends of the British National Party meeting where he met Nick Griffin. Great. Yeah, you have a big frowny face on now. Yep, don't like Nick Griffin. Big bad frowny person. face. Yeah, bad person. How's the BMP doing these days, boy? <sighs> the BMP uh, is currently the Tory party. No, <laughs> um, it's not great, but mm. basically mm. they got what they wanted with the... I mean, they got Nigel Farage to push their ideas, even though he didn't officially become a member. Well, so. no. So, I mean, basically, the BMP pulled UKIP to the right, which pulled the Tories... Right. Right. You know, you know. What I know happens. exactly. I just, it's, it's one of those things, look, again, where like the brief laundering of ideas from the far, far right to the far right to the right caused mm -hmm. everyone to move. Yeah. Right. And it's not a good situation. No, um, it's never good. Francis also coined the term anarcho tyranny, which cool. you can hear Alex Jones use regularly and which Tucker Carlson has taken to using in recent days. Right. Uh, less than a week ago, as we sit here recording, he, uh, did a section on anarcho-tyranny on his show. Uh, but Blake Masters promoted Francis's book in response to an Instagram Q&A in which someone asked him, what are some of the books you have read to inform your more unique populist conservatism? Great. That was his answer, was I read this flaming racist. Enough said, or at least it should be. Um, it's telling, though, that these guys all call themselves populists, because as I've said before, right, Right-wing populism or the right-wing solution to the problems of capitalism is fascism. And they're not really trying to hide it much anymore. Yeah. But like J.D. Vance, uh, Peter Thiel gave $10 million to a super PAC dedicated to Masters campaign named the Save Arizona PAC. And then another $3.5 million to another PAC created to support his campaign later on down the line. Uh, the funny thing to me, really, is how much dumber Blake Masters is than J.D. Vance or any of these other people, right? He's also just weirder you He's know like not weird. not that jd vance isn't weird but like he blake master's a weird dude he's weird in the way that like when you look at richard spencer you say to yourself that guy looks like he sniffs things mm -hmm. he just and, randomly and, like, sniffs things fr from coke onwards right? right like you know right 
like sees a napkin lying on a table, picks it up and sniffs it. That's what that guy looks like. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's a difference between being smart and being intelligent. All these guys are smart. They went to good schools. They got good grades, blah, blah, blah. But they are all incredibly dumb. Uh, one of the things that Masters did for his campaign was to sell NFTs in 2021. <laughs> right. So, what? Okay. Oh, he made money off it. It's just yeah. connecting yourself to NFTs is inherently one of the dumbest things a person can do. Sure. Um, he encouraged people to read the Unabomber's Manifesto. Awesome. Which cool. is a, Love that. another thing only a dumb person would find engaging or enlightening. Um, uh, Blake called Ted, quote, a subversive thinker who should be more widely known. Yeah. At least he didn't. Well, I guess he did encourage people, but at least he didn't say that that was one of the things that have inspired his more unusual mm, politics. I think it was, though. Yeah. Um, famously, Masters was originally totally anti-abortion with no exceptions until a few hours after the Supreme Court overruled Roe v. Wade when his campaign website scrubbed all of its abortion content and his stance mysteriously softened out of mm. nowhere. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Then in an interview on a local podcast, I don't know what that means, but it said local podcast in the article I read. Uh, he said on guns, quote, it's gangs. It's people in Chicago, St. Louis shooting each other. Very often, you know, black people. And mm. frankly, and the Democrats don't want to do anything about that. I just love people who are dumb enough to say the quiet part out loud. Don't hide it, people. Say what you really think. Yeah. Say what you really, you really think. feel. Um, another scandal from his campaign was his support from and relationship, in some cases, to open white supremacists and neo-Nazis. Uh, Masters earned support from Nick Fuentes, who told all of his followers to go vote for Masters. Andrew Anglin, the founder of the Daily Stormer. Scott Greer, formerly of the Daily Caller, until he got too openly racist for them. Uh, and he tweeted that Blake Masters was keyed, which is a stand-in for based which in these circles means being an anti-Semite. Mm -hmm. uh, he also got support from Jack Posobiec and Andrew Torba, the anti-Semite founder of Gab, who Masters had a long conversation with in a Twitter space that he then denied ever having until audio of it was leaked because these people don't realize people record everything these days. Yeah, that makes sense. And of course, Masters was heavily supported by Tucker Carlson, who was always there to throw his white pointy hat into the ring for any candidate with enough racist bona fides. Uh, Masters, this is another funny thing for me. Masters likes to play act that he was in the military in a very Madison Cawthorn-esque way. A lot, of, a lot of them do. Yeah, by like wearing grunt-style t-shirts and holding guns a lot. But he never yeah. was. He was never in the military. Cool. It's just funny to me that they all try. Uh, but the best thing about Masters and how we're going to end off the show today okay. are his absolutely psychotic campaign ads. Awesome, let's hear them. Which, let's just start off with this first one. This is the one that announced his campaign, and it is the most normal one you're going to hear of all. Great. Days. Let's go. Can't wait. I grew up here. In Tucson, Arizona. Okay. I can't help it. I finally got an excuse to do the, the imitation of the line. I finally got it. I'm going to use it. One of my earliest memories is hiking in the Sonoran Desert with my dad. In some ways, my life hasn't changed all that much since then. I met my wife, Catherine, here in Tucson. By the way, he moved to Arizona when he was still old enough to have memories of the other places he, would, he had lived. Cool. Like, he lived in Cyprus till he was a few years old. Middle school. Now we have three boys of our own, and we go on those same hikes together. So far, nothing wrong. Normal. But there's one big thing shit. that does change when you grow up and have kids. 
you no longer take things for granted. Now, the country I grew up in was optimistic. People thought all you had to do was go to school and work hard, and you'd be able to... They were wrong. They were wrong. You need to have inherited wealth. That's the key. That, that's the trick. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize you were doing a Matt, Matt Berry impression. From what you didn't realize that? Just, I, I just Tucson, did, yeah. Arizona. Ne that's yeah, that's how we all speak down in Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> how uh, did you not realize no, that? I, did, I was like, Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> this is how we're talking, Tucson, Arizona. But it hasn't worked out that way. Today, for the first time, young people in America expect to be worse off than their parents. Yeah, because of people like you, Blake. Yeah, because Very you keep much destroying because social safety nets. Because of VC fund douchebags who want to cut all the taxes and take away all government services. Our leaders have shipped millions of jobs to China. And the internet, which was supposed to give us an awesome future, is instead being used to shut us up. An awesome future. Cool, man. Have a great summer. The truth is, we can't take America for granted. And if we want to keep it, we got to fight for it. Sure. So you get you get the idea, right? That yeah, is a, I, get, I, I get the vibe. That's a basic beginning of the campaign commercial that you put together. It's sure. about two and a half minutes long. We're not going to watch the whole thing. That's uh, nice. Because that isn't where it starts getting fun. Where it starts getting fun is when he started cutting his 30-second spots for TV. Sure. And that's where we get some fucking crazy. Now, this next one is titled, America Isn't Just an Idea. Okay. What is it? We'll find out. Let's find out together. America isn't just an idea. We're a country. We're a people with a history and a culture. Okay. Sure. Okay. You have someone with JD, with his ideology, with Blake Masters' ideology, talking to me about how we're a country and a culture. We live in a we're, society, you might mm, say. I wonder if he's going to have, let's say, I don't know, 15-ish words, give or take, somewhere in this video. Probably, yeah. Let's yeah. see. This is the home of... Plus or minus one, of course. 15 yeah. plus or minus one, you know. Yeah. Davy Crockett and Daniel Boone. Mm. Of Mark Twain and Ernest Hemingway. Of Norman Rockwell and Chuck Berry. Or how about... At least he threw Chuck Berry in there. Okay, yeah. Well, you, 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 gotta, you gotta let it play, because you, like... you just cut off the point that it really matters. Okay. How about... I can hear... Now, that's not a mistake in the audio, Berlick. Okay. That is, black censored bar appeared over his mouth, and oh. the beep noise came on when okay. he said, or how about, mm, or, mm. Why did they choose that? I have no fucking clue. Presumably because he cited a fascist. <laughs> and they were like... You know, theories, Benedict. I only have theories. That's all I have. Presumably because who was the founder of the American Nazi Party? <laughs> George Lincoln Rockwell. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Why do like... I know that name off the top of my head? <laughs> Why can I not remember who was in fucking, fucking Star Wars last movie, but I can remember George Lincoln fucking Rockwell founded the American Nazi Party? Well, presumably because he said, we're also a country of George Lincoln Rockwell <laughs> and George Wallace, and they were like, ah, we can't put that on TV. <laughs> oh, Christ hear the screeching already that list isn't diverse enough that's all these people can talk about but when's the last time you heard npr talk about american greatness when's the last time you heard a leftist say anything good at all about our people they don't do it 
I, yeah, we do. We sometimes I do. Be. I'm sometimes nice. That's why they're obsessed with tearing down statues. I'm Blake Masters. I'm running for the U.S. Senate in Arizona, and I approve this message. He keeps mispronouncing Arizona. And, yeah. Uh, also, really what message me. do you approve? Uh, America that, is more than an idea. America has censored names in it. I also, <laughs> like the whole the whole premise of this ad is that America is an idea. Yeah. You could say that. You could definitely say that. But it, it oh, the lead is America is more than an idea, and then he talks about how America is an idea, basically. Yeah, did right? I mention he's not very intelligent? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, the next one, Benedict, is titled INVASION! All caps, yeah. with an exclamation point after it. Can't imagine this is going to be better. Mm, nope. 250,000 illegals cross this border every month. So I have to tell you what we're seeing on the screen. And it is... is it the fucking border? It, it is uh, a CGI drone shot of the U.S.-Mexico border. And it, it's obviously CGI. It's not real. Um, cool. And I would say a Lord of the Rings-sized horde of humans flooding through the border. Okay. That is what we are seeing in this so obviously fake shot of the invasion! Okay. This is an invasion. We know what to do. We need to finish Trump's wall. We need five times more border patrol. And we need technology to lock this border down. If we don't do these things right now, we're not gonna have a country. Why is he speaking I'm so Blake fast? Masters, and I approve this message. President Trump endorsed me because he knows that I'm gonna secure this border. Yeah. That was a little it's, nutty. It's, it's weird to be like, President Trump endorsed me. In oh. a state that Trump lost. Oh, buddy. I have some delicious clout chasing coming up for you in the next video that is even Look, more pathetic than mentioning that Trump endorsed him. I get it in the primary. Mm -hmm. Was that a primary ad or a general ad? Uh, this one came out eight months ago, so I presume that would be after the primary. That'd be a general uh, ad. That'd be in the general, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, these people all That's think that... That's insane. I think Blake Masters is one of the few who believed the election conspiracies. So he believes that Trump's name is gold to put on yourself. I think he believed gotcha. that because he believed that Trump actually won and all the fraud and blah, blah, You blah, think blah. he thought that Trump won? I mean, I guess it was close in Arizona. He's got a but... melted white supremacist brain. So yeah, I, sure. I think he definitely believed it. Next one, Benedict, is titled, Militarize Our Border. Great. That's, that's the entire title. And here it goes. Blake Masters may know the answer. He's a oh, very good. smart guy. It's not just about border violence. Though, we don't get a Tucker Carlson clip. We get Tucker Carlson saying Blake Masters might know the answers as a lead-in to Blake Masters' 30-second TV spot well, because he wanted to get Tucker Carlson's endorsement in its TV spot. Didn't he say he's a very smart guy? Uh, let's go back and hear it again. Blake Masters may know the answer. He's a very smart guy. It's not. Yep, that's it. That's it. That's all we get. I think we might get another brief snippet of, of Tucker again uh, in this video, but let's listen to the rest of it. Just about border violence. Or fentanyl pouring in by the ton. He's a Senate candidate in Arizona. We're rooting for him. Or importing 20 million illegals and giving him amnesty. No, it's about a small group of... Okay, the clips from Tucker Carlson are so disjointed from the rest of the video. From the point it of the sounds, video. It sounds like a fever dream. It, it sounds is. like Carlson's head is like appearing at the front of the screen and then fading <laughs> out. Like that's that's it how might it as well. Cool. We want to destroy this country. That's why the Democrats push open borders. I'm sick of it. It's time to militarize this border. 
we're gonna end this invasion. I'm Blake Masters, and I approve this message. I, you know, it's almost, I would say, if I didn't know that it wasn't, um, who's the guy that does, uh, video editing for, uh, uh, buh, 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 he does, like, a bunch of uh, uh, the Young Turks videos. He does, like, the... Uh, oh, something the fourth or the third. Yeah, I yeah. can't remember his name off the top of my head. No, me I would, neither. Oh, Vic Firth. Vic Firth. Vic, Vic Berger, yeah. Vic Berger. Right, I said Vic Firth. Wow. Vic Berger. It's almost a Vic Berger level of uh, parody. Silly that, editing. That, yeah. that ad was. There's just constant slap edits just going <laughs> just to new things. smash thing. cuts. Just exactly. <laughs> that's what it is. Now we have two more here to finish off, Benedict, and they're both okay. fantastic. All right. This first go. one is titled, Psychopaths Are Running the Country Right Now. Cool. Psychopaths are running the country right now. Awesome. Told you. Told you that's what it was called. <laughs> yep. That's it. The end. You've got Biden, Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Mark Kelly. These people don't care what's actually happening to you. If you're paying double for a tank of gas, they'll say, don't worry, that's temporary. I mean, it was. If you see a, millions of people coming across our southern border, they'll say, don't worry, it's racist to care. Or if you're concerned- It's racist to care. <laughs> That's, I actually have that instead of a live, laugh, love sign. It's racist to want to murder them, which is what you want, Blake. No, I have an it's racist to care, live, laugh, love sign. Oh, that's nice. Is it the, the yeah. nice calligraphy font? No, it's, uh, it's needlework. Okay. <laughs> Like the uh, lay thine eyes upon the field in which I grow my fucks and exactly. see it is barren. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, I know exactly. Exactly, the I know it. Certain that your kid's school is shut down again. They'll say, "Don't worry, safety first. So uh, I should mention that this uh, came out again eight months ago, mm-hmm. at a point when absolutely zero schools were being shut down we're because shut of down, COVID. Yeah, yeah, but th- that's the gripe they still have to hang on to. Because in these people's minds, you cannot worry enough about a virus that's why they want to lock you in your home and force the covid shot on your perfectly healthy three-year-old i I also can't encourage people enough to go watch these just to see his strength it's like uh in a dystopian movie it's like the the guy talking to the the on the giant screens and like i'm imagining him being very front lit he's got a lot of lip He's got a lot no, of No, not not lip, front oh, lips. Lit. Like, oh, like a like a very bright. He's outdoors spotlight. in the beautiful hills of Tucson, Arizona. Tucson, Arizona. That's what Democrats deliver today. No solutions, just hysteria. They're obsessed with their own power. That's all they think about. That's why they want you powerless. It always why comes back to power. Out? I don't know. Did you fade him out? Or did no. he just fade out? We know what to do. You want law and order? We need a border wall. To beat inflation, we need factories right here in America. And we need schools that teach reading and writing and civics instead of racism. I'm Blake Masters. I'm running for the US Senate in Arizona. And I approve this message, because to save this country, we've got to get rid of these cycles. This one, he should have cut shorter. Mm-hmm. Definitely. the other ones. This one should have been a shorter one. Definitely should have cut it shorter. Uh, and then we get to our last one, Benedict, which is is the cherry on top of stupid shit political candidates have ever done. Okay. He put out a video titled, <laughs> Our Top Generals Have Turned Into Woke Corporate Bozos. Great, let's go. <laughs> I hate to say it, but our military leadership, totally incompetent. No active duty American general has ever won a war. Can you imagine if a Democrat said this? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, it'd be, it'd be fucking pandemonium. It'd be, ah, you hate the troops. Crazy, that is. These people get promoted by giving politically correct PowerPoint presentations. That helps explain why, after trillions of dollars, 20 years of effort, this grand project to uh, remake the Middle East and democratize Afghanistan just didn't work. Instead, we got to get serious about the real threats, like China. I'm Blake Masters. I'm running for the U.S. Senate in Arizona, and I approve this message because, guys, we've got to put American troops first, not defense contractors, not foreign refugees, and sure as hell, not woke generals like General White Rage Milligan. How classic. we got to do better. Yeah. Join me. Go to BlakeMasters.com. And here's the best thing about this ad, Benedict. He just walks off. Great. In the wrong off. direction. No, oh, I wish it was. I wish it was. But he walks off, and there's just a field with a hay bale. Just a field with a hay bale. Cool. For the remaining 10 seconds, when it just puts the paid for by Blake Masters it's, thing over It's the top. a metaphor <laughs> for the inside of his brain. <laughs> but Benedict, we all know Blake Masters lost. We're all delighted in that fact. Yep. But Mashallah. we do have to put up. With the fascist that is J.D. Masters, yeah, J.D. 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 Vance. Vance. They're the same person. Who gives a shit? I, um, to be fair, told you Blake Masters was going to lose. You did. you didn't believe me. You did. Uh, and I'm glad you were correct. But yep. uh, we are living in a time when fascism has billions of dollars of support. And I think that should scare us all a little bit. Does that make you feel good? Make you feel good yeah. to be scared a little bit? I do, yeah. I think it keeps us on our toes. <laughs> you know? Gets rid of any complacency. And yep. also, we have this podcast, so if it ever does come, we'll be the first to die, so we don't have to live in it. <laughs> and with that said, thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC and become a patron for as little as $1 an episode for patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, early releases of our episodes, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons. Amy Kaiser, Sean Sullivan, Lauren S. I love when Jordan yells out, Thank you very much! I'm sorry, NYBGBC, the chaos backlog is nuts! Little Flick, Flack Weasel, Kieran Dactler. Join us next week when our guest will be three... Sh- <laughs> See, this is the one. We pre-recorded some episodes, and I, re- I read this one when we did those pre-records. And I'm hoping I got I it right, what it's supposed to mean, because it cuts off. It was too many characters, it cut it off, and I can't see what it's supposed to say all the way. But I'm going to guess this is what it means. Join us next week when our guest will be three Ben Shapiros in a trench coat trying to find out what it's like to be a real author. Henry Louis King Jr., Sarah Wolf, Aaron Burke, Megan A. Dooley, Gloria Scott, Clinton Stuckey, Pause, A Restless Native, A Baby, Wah, Veronica Forker, Melissa C., George Saulnier, Stefan, Sharkbelly, Utah Outcast, Brent Lee, Dave Barwick, Chris Palmer, Bad Bible Stitches, Mockingbird Nation, Bacaw, Benjamin Carlisle, Dexter, Allison, Megan Ruth, Glowrung the Deceiver. Big Easy Blast Me, Jay Reynolds, Stephen, and Cindy Dimmock, Taru Takanan, and Balls Watterson. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, Invasion! Goodbye. Book Club Podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.